Hi there. Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you really care about. This is a special Friday member-focused episode. Every Friday, we publish a new episode featuring questions from Fizzle members, along with occasional success stories and live coaching. This is being recorded live with Fizzle members in the audience. If you'd like to join us and get your question featured on an upcoming episode, head over to fizzle.co, and we would love to see you inside Fizzle soon. Today, I'm joined by the full Fizzle team, including Jen Rayow, Joe Kearns, and Aiden Fishbein. Thank you all for being here. We have some fantastic questions from Fizzle members today, so let's jump right in. Jen, what's our first question today? Uh, the next question is from Mitko. Uh, he has a podcast and a website at thatremotelife.com. Uh, and so he asked this question back in the summer, and I thought it was a classic one we could dig into again today. Uh, what are the best ways for growing the audience of your podcast if you don't already have an audience elsewhere, like social media or email? I'm already doing outreach and getting on other people's shows, but I'm curious if there's anything else I can do. All right. This is a good one. Growing a podcast. I mean, we've uh, talked before about how amazing the podcast format is. It's meant so much to us. We've been podcasting for six years or so. And it's funny, um, thinking back when we started in 2013, I remember feeling like podcasting was almost old at the time. Like we had missed an opportunity, uh, because it had been around for a few years. And now, you know, thinking today, I mean, people always feel like it's too late, but just to let you know, it, it felt too late at the time, but looking back, we've had, I think like over 5 million combined downloads now of the show, which is amazing. And it's meant a lot to us. But I also know a lot of people who start shows and um, they don't end up really going anywhere. This this happens all the time on not just podcasts, but it could happen on YouTube or social media or trying to start an email list or a blog. This is a problem that all of us face, right? Trying to get the word out when you don't already have an existing audience. Um Somebody want to start off with some tips here? We've got a, a ton of good stuff. And, and I should also say that the Fizzle Roadmap, um, not to not to be uh, self-promotional or whatever, but the Fizzle Roadmap really does a good job of covering a lot of this, especially inside of courses like How to Start a Blog That Matters, um, where we cover a lot of the details for growing an audience, for building traffic, and so on. Um, a lot of the foundation matters, what's in the podcast itself. Uh, the title of the podcast, who it's for, all that kind of stuff. But once you get beyond that, there are a lot of things that you can do to um, to reach people. So um, I don't know. What, what do we have? For so the only thing that I would mention is kind of what you were just talking about, Corbett. I'm actually really interested to hear, Jen, because you've actually been growing. I don't know if you even know this, but my opinion of your growth is, is that it's been going much faster than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so I do, I want to hear about, uh, I want to hear about that, but also just to Corbett's point about the building a product, growing an audience, even in the roadmap, it talks about this chicken and the egg thing. Right. Um, and you know, it, you guys have also fizzle historically has also been, been very clear in, you know, a podcast and a blog is not a business, you know, those are channels for growing your business. So those mm -hmm. are channels for growth. Um, which means that um, Midco, I'm not, I'm not sure off the top of my head what you, what your product is or what your business is, um, but it is, uh, it is kind of a, a question of do you build that and then grow the audience, or do you grow the audience and then use that to inform what you build? Um, and my personal 
preference is that if you don't know, then try a little bit of both and kind of do it at the same time and see which demands your attention more. And when the growth starts happening or the inspiration starts happening with your product, when it really starts getting rolling, or if your podcast and your audience starts getting rolling, then it kind of informs um, where the rest of my energy gets to go. Um, but it's hard to tell you right now, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah, so with the remote life is, um, I'll, I'll take a peek at that and, uh, <laughs> and form any further thoughts. But, um, but yeah, that's what I would say. Well, since the, the question here largely has to come down to discoverability. So how do I grow my audience when I don't have an audience anywhere else? Um, and one of the limitations of podcasting right now, we all know, is that it's not great for discoverability necessarily. Luckily, I think there is a lot of movement in that direction that will make it potentially a better standalone platform. But for the foreseeable future, um, I'm not sure if we even know too many examples of people who purely have a successful standalone podcast without also growing audiences and other channels just because of that nature with the um, searchability and the interactivity. That's a really... I think difficult component if you were to focus only on podcasting is that there's not much of a capacity for you to be able to engage with and interact with people yet. Again, hopefully that's changing. But for now, it is nice to at least have, I think, one other channel where you would be able to engage. And whether that's Facebook, Instagram, wherever it is, um, I think that will depend largely on where your podcast listeners are besides, you know, in in their ears, where are they hanging out? And you can you can find another channel. But um, I think that the, trying to focus solely on podcasting alone, you might be making it a little bit harder on yourself if, uh, if you don't want to start elsewhere. And that would be regardless on what the business model is or the business opportunity in and of itself. If the question is, how do I grow my audience? Uh, I think you're going to have to diversify a little bit until you get some traction going. Now, one of the changes that Steph made over at Courage and Clarity over the summer was moving away from her um, podcast blog post just being like a teaser. So pretty short and kind of enticing people to listen to the podcast. And we started writing out full full length blog posts um, so that you could do both. You could listen or read and you would get the same information. Um, so I think that's a really good way of leveraging content that you already have and not making it too difficult on yourself, but writing and even bringing in the SEO or if you're using Pinterest to to bring you know more visitors to your site and then you're collecting email addresses so that mm. you just kind of you have a little you know, we've got a little machine and all the cogs are working together. Yeah. Jen, um, just specifically, I'm curious, was it uh, Steph's podcast would then turn into a full length blog post or was there a full length blog post that then became the podcast? What direction? It was podcast first and then I'd write the blog. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And she was previously just doing kind of short show notes kind of intros? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And we took inspiration from Jenna Kutcher. Uh, so she has a wildly successful uh, podcast, but she, her team writes out, you know, like 1200, 1400 word blog posts for every single episode that she puts out now. Yeah. Wow. And um, I, I love that. We've, we've experimented with that a little bit at Fizzle and um, we have seen results from that because the, one of the, the um, limitations of the podcast format is that it's not searchable, right? It's not as if somebody is uh, at Google typing in, how do I blank? And then they're stumbling upon your podcast because the audio format right now just isn't a searchable thing. 
So um, you have to make up for those limitations in some ways. And, and by having your podcast either transcribed or by writing a fairly thorough blog post about it, then you give the content that's locked away in audio another chance of being discovered. Joe brought up something earlier, which is kind of the foundation of trying to grow an audience for any sort of format. And that is you have to figure out where are people already hanging out and then how do I get in front of them to bring them back to my thing? And um, with podcasting, people are already hanging out on other podcasts, right? We know that it's unlikely that you're going to pick somebody off the street and um, turn them into a podcast listener if they're not already. It's better to try to find people who are already listening to podcasts. So getting in front of them on shows that they already listen to, that's a great way to try to um, bring people back to your show. And you can do that by being a guest on other shows. Uh, Another way is within the applications that we all use to um, listen to our podcasts. It could be Apple Podcasts. It could be Overcast. It might be Spotify. There are a lot of different places that we listen to shows. Each of them has some sort of discovery mechanism built in. Um, It may be that they feature new and noteworthy. That's the thing that Apple does. Uh, It may be that based on the number of subscriptions or reviews that you're getting, your podcast might appear higher in the list. So there are some things you can do to try to make that discovery happen. And usually that boils down to getting people to subscribe, getting people to leave reviews, and uh, sometimes being related to other shows. And you can indicate the relation sometimes by the description that you put within your podcast. Because down at the bottom of podcasts that you listen to, a lot of times it says other shows that are like this. And that's just based on the descriptions usually and based on who is subscribed to both shows, how many people are subscribed to both shows. So uh, discovery within the platform, appearing on other people's shows, unlocking the audio that you've already created by publishing that on other platforms. We talked about uh, having it transcribed or writing a blog post about it, but you could also publish your podcast content on social media. You could have a little blurb within Instagram, for example, of the audio. You could uh, record your podcast over video and publish some of that on YouTube as well. So trying to get double duty out of the content that you are producing can be a great way to help it get out there and get discovered. A lot of the people that you see with really successful shows didn't just start with podcasts. They a lot of times also had a social media channel or an email list or something like that. And um, I know that that's not an easy answer, you know, for us to say, go out and do something else at the same time. But a lot of times that is what it takes. Um, One last thing that I've seen work for people is to form a little network of podcasts with a number of other people, because then there's this cross promotion that happens between the shows. So if you had a show about uh, ceramic glazing, for example, uh, then you could find other people who have podcasts about art and put together a little network of podcasts and, um, and make sure that you cross promote people. And then you can also within Apple podcasts, have everyone under the same network so that you will appear automically as related shows down below. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. uh, Courage and Courage and Clarity is a fizzle podcast, I think. Exactly. Exactly. And that does help a little bit with discovery for both of the shows. We wanted to make sure that when Steph started Courage and Clarity, she had the best chance of getting that thing off the ground quickly. So we put it under the same, um, 
network, which we just called fizzle.fm and Fizz, the fizzle show, a show that I did called lifestyle business weekly is under there and oh, yeah. uh, Steph show as well. I, I got to like listen that to that Corbett. You haven't listened. Yeah. It's really I'm good. Go back to that. <laughs> it sent me on a six month slash week vacation. <laughs> six week vacation. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks uh, Mitko for the question. That was Mitko from that remote life podcast. And uh, thanks very much, Jen. What do we have next? All right. Next question is Martin's and he's here with us. So Martin, thanks for getting this in for us. Um, He has a question. I'm going to give the backstory first. Uh, So this is in his words. I recently had a two hour meeting with a potential client who wanted to get urgent help with a forthcoming podcast. The person had someone who was helping them for free, but he had no time at the moment. So she contacted me through a referral contact. Uh, I said that I want the value of a kilogram silver for half a working day or calculated per hour about 150 US dollars. Hold hold on just a second. (laughs) (laughs) We have to pause right there. Yeah. (laughs) Martin said, I want the value of half a kilogram of silver. One kilogram. One kilogram of silver for a working day. Yeah. That's an interesting way to. 150 bucks. All right. I guess that's a way to, like, you know, measure over time that my working day should be worth a kilogram of silver, whatever that value is. Whether Sumerian or or in New York City. Does does anybody know what a kilogram of silver costs these days? About 150 USD. 150, that was my guess. (laughs) About 150 USD. Okay. All right. Yeah. I love that line. I left it in. Okay. So. As a former purchaser, I'm good at negotiating with myself and I could reduce my rate with clients that I have a long time relationship with. But with this potential client, I had a gut feeling that it wouldn't be the case. During our meeting, I gave her valuable tips and suggestions regarding the workflow of a podcast, how to host a podcast, requirements for the show artwork, post-production tools, etc., A couple of days later, she called me and said that the person who had helped them in the past for free wanted to jump on the bandwagon again and continue with helping them. So the learning experience of this meeting is that I'm all for giver's gain, but it could turn into giver's pain. So here's Martin's question. Do you have tips on how to get paid for a consultation when you have a physical meeting with someone who, quote, only wants to ask some questions about X, Y, Z? How how do I package a soft skill like a SWOT analysis, uh, business intelligence research, ego search online, etc.? Mm, this is a good one. So so just to summarize, basically, how do you prevent having your time wasted by tire kickers who mm. want information from you but aren't necessarily willing to pay for it? And I think um, first of all, you have to make a decision in your head: Am I a service provider? Am I trying to get paid for this particular kind of advice or consultation or whatever? If you don't have that clear to begin with, then you're likely just going to kind of bounce around from conversation to conversation and um, probably won't get paid for it because you haven't made it clear that this is the kind of thing that I do for a living or this is the kind of thing that I get paid for. So I think that's probably step one. Um, But in terms of offering coaching or consultation or some sort of services to people, I think that we've all been in this position before. We've probably all had people who said, 
I just want to pick your brain or whatever, whatever it is that they use. And then you find yourself on the end of a two hour conversation that doesn't end up turning into a, a client of some sort. So, um, I don't know, maybe we can kind of go rapid fire around the horn and each of us provide an example or, uh, something that we've used to make this work in our favor in the past. I mean, I usually require a deposit of at least one pound of sapphires, personally. <laughs> sapphires, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a Texas thing, but, you know. <laughs> sapphires in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think ahead, now that... Thank you. Sorry. I think now that Martin's learned from this experience, and especially because he wrote specifically in his question that he had a gut feeling about this client, I would have a... a a package ready, something really short and simple that if someone approaches you like this again, you can say, hey, sure, this is what I can do. This is how much it costs and just leave it at that. Yeah, I would uh, I would just change my perspective a little bit into literally every time somebody does this, this is a sales call that you're on. Mm -hmm. um, so if you treat it that way, then the worst is the worst case scenario is that you didn't sell a deal. Um, I don't ever think of that as wasted time. Um, this is very, very close to home for me. My agency, we're a brand consultancy, right? So we started as designers, and then we wanted to charge more. And the, the way you do that is by adopting strategic frameworks and, and some sort of like workshoppy facilitation um, and being a consultant, right? Uh, so, so we have products that we sell that are purely conversational. Um, and at this phase right now, this is nothing but a discovery phase where we don't add to the conversation with ideas. If they ask questions, we just ask more questions, right? And uh, for us in our process, asking questions really does more to prove to somebody that you know what you're talking about than actually coming up with ideas on the spot. It's a very counterintuitive. Um, and for us, you know, maybe that's not the case for everybody, but um, that's been my experience. So asking questions, treating it like a sale, um, and not trying to come up with quick insight and, um, and yeah, changing my perspective about wasted time is helpful. And then also pain is the great teacher of all things. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of couple of tips uh, from my end. One would be uh, to make sure that you don't have some open-ended like three-hour block of time where you're like, oh, I've got all afternoon because it can turn into three hours. So instead, uh, either have the meeting online where it's predefined, I have a half hour or whatever, um, or just make sure that you let people know when you start the meeting, hey, I've got an hour and then I've got to get off to this other thing. Even if you don't have something else scheduled, you do have other things that you need to be doing in your life. So don't just give you know all of your time. The other thing is I think the context that you go into the meeting with is really important. So if somebody reaches out and they say, Hey, I'd love to pick your brain on X, Y, and Z, then you can turn it around and say, I'd be more than happy to meet with you to see if this could be a mutual fit. And if I could help you with your project, you know, and, yeah. and, um, I, you know, I, I helped X, Y, and Z clients with this exact same kind of thing. So then when you go into the meeting, they it's know not, it's a sale, they yeah. know it's a sale or they know that it's just a discovery, right? So it's, it's fine for them to feel you out and to ask things that you know in the context of that 45 minutes or that hour or whatever that you've time boxed it into. Um, but you clearly indicate that you're asking questions to find out about the person's issue so that you can see if this would be a good client fit or not, not that you're getting it all done necessarily right there. Um, 
I think that the other complication comes here sometimes when it's someone that you know, mm. when it's a friend or whatever, because a lot of times we expect that friends might call us up and ask our advice on something. So uh, there can be a little bit of cloudiness if the the contact originally came from uh, a social sort of situation, and then you're trying to cross that boundary into work. So it's just really important. The things that you say ahead of time, because you might be going like in Martin's case, maybe he went into this meeting thinking, Oh, cool. Maybe I'm going to get a client out of this. But on, on her end, she maybe had no idea. Maybe she thought, Oh, Martin's just doing me a solid and he's going to help me for a couple hours. And so you need to communicate that ahead of time to make sure that it's clear on both sides. And this is partly just a, a reiteration of, of a few things that we've said, but even in Martin's question here, he says, during our meeting, I gave her valuable tips, suggestions regarding workflow of a podcast, how to host a podcast, requirements for the show artwork, post-production tools, etc. To me, that sounds less like more of a kind of, uh, like we said, discovery session and more of actual consulting. Yeah, like you 100%. gave her, you know, whoever this client was, you gave them all the value in this free session, essentially. Oh, here's what you need to do. This is what you need to do, blah, 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 blah. Um, it doesn't sound like there was enough of an open-ended nature to that to say like, well, here's where some opportunities lie. I think that we could improve the workflow of your pro your podcast. You know, like here's how we could work together to, uh, to improve your post-production process. And, you know, a lot of it, I think we'd be more focused on identifying the problem and then laying out a potential roadmap for working together. But I get the vibe here that I'm guessing Martin got real excited, saw a lot of opportunities uh, where they could improve and probably just started, you know, kind of, I don't want to say spilling the beans, but almost like, here's what you need to do. This is what you need to do. So, yeah, I could see that being maybe a little bit confusing on on uh, the clients and also thinking, oh, OK, well, now I've got my roadmap. I know what I need to go do. And I've got mm -hmm. this person who's going to do it for free. Perfect. Right. Yeah. And and it's you know, that to do that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not unusual to have a free discovery session. I mean, coaches do this all the time. Obviously, if, if it's a bigger project that you're selling, the client's going to expect to have a session or two with you to understand whether or not this is even a good fit. Um, but I think it, you can upfront let people know, Hey, I'd be happy to help. I do these like free discovery sessions to see if this might be a good fit for us to have an ongoing, you know, client engagement or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just be clear about that upfront. And, and that's going to go a long way to setting the context so that they're then evaluating whether or not this would be a good fit going forward. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Uh, Jen, do we have uh, another question for today? We sure do. Uh, next one is from uh, Moritz. So Moritz is a new Fizzle member and he's a nutrition and health coach. Uh, he's launched an ebook and a landing page at stretchmarksecret.com. So I did some digging on it. It's for sale for $37 uh, and it includes four bonuses, which he lists at a total value of $249. Um, he's also working on another more general health and wellness website, which isn't launched yet. And he's interested for this site in using pay-per-click marketing to get more visitors to his site. Uh, he's asked about different platforms like Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram. And if we have recommendations for him running ads, he's also mentioned that he doesn't have a large budget for ads and he has no experience running them. Oh, a couple of big big uh bear traps waiting <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> huge joe joe i think you have the most experience on our team with with running ads um you want to share some tips and then also just kind of general warnings for people who are in this position 
Yeah, for sure. Well, first and foremost, I think that it's really easy to get hyped up looking at ads when you hear the real sensationalized stories of people who, you know, saw 10x their investment on ads or anything like that. But a lot of times you're kind of hearing edge cases more than the norm, you know, people who are like, who stumbled into a particularly uh, fruitful niche or something like that. So in terms of just looking at ads as as a solution at all, you want to be very careful with looking at ads as the foundation of how you're going to start your business is the most risky assumption because you're saying I'm basically going to try to build a business on paid traffic from day one. And, you know, looking at a product the first off is only $37 right there. If you don't have a lot of experience, uh, well, in this case, it doesn't sound like he's got any particular experience running ads whatsoever. Um, it's going to be pretty hard to to make that profitable anytime in the near future if you're going straight for paid traffic. Um, secondarily, it sounds like this is this isn't even the end goal. the The stretch mark secret he says he's also working on a more general health and wellness website. So it sounds like there's maybe kind of a a few things that he's getting started with here also. So I would just generally kind of caution against spreading yourself too thin. And this this sounds a little bit like. Uh, I want passive income. You know, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to start running ads to it. I'm going to build the funnel. That's going to start generating money. And then I'm going to build this other website. Uh, don't have more details on that yet. But you know, if that's a similar business model, then, um, you know, that that's a very, 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 very difficult way to get started. If you don't really know much about your audience yet. Uh, if you're if you're talking about you know Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and all those, that's certainly where I'd get started because that's your ability to learn a lot more about who is this resonating with. You know what what marketing messages are uh, getting the best response from your audience. What kind of content are they engaging with? Make sure that people even want this first and foremost. You know, I mean, you, you don't want to jump into trying to sell something from day one before you've even validated that there's a need or an interest in the market for it. So I'd like to hear more about that strategy first and foremost for kind of, you know, validating the the product before building a business model on something that's as risky as as paid traffic when I mean, we've all Corbett, I know you've, you've probably seen this a lot as well. People can build a business around paid traffic and literally the algorithms change overnight and your business is gone. Mm hmm. If, yeah. if you're relying entirely on that. Definitely. And, and, and that's a risk, you know, a future risk, obviously, but the more immediate risk is just that, um, two things. One is most successful Facebook ads or, or ads online in general come from some free campaign that you saw was working already. You had a blog post or a social media post or something that started taking off. And then you, you take that, adapt it, and start paying for that to get in front of more people. And because you know that it worked already on a small audience, you're able to, um, it's it, it's ready to take off, basically. You're a little bit more gasoline on it, yeah. Exactly. And so um, the problem with starting with nothing to begin with and just jumping right into paid ads is that you're starting from ground zero and you're having to test a bunch of things out, right? You try a bunch of different ads to see what works. If you have a small budget... By the time you find something that just seems to be getting a little bit of, of um, you know, progress, then it 
you probably are out of budget by that point. You probably spent, you know, the 50 or hundred or 200 bucks or whatever for the month that you had set aside and you didn't end up getting any results for it because, um, you, you spent it on, on campaigns that just weren't working. So having a small budget's really tough and not having something to go on to begin with is, is really tough as well. So in general, um, I can't say that I've seen someone who isn't already a really talented marketer be able to take a tiny budget for a new project and rely on paid ads to grow that thing uh, to anything of significance. Um, So it's not that it's not worth maybe trying to see how the market reacts, but I just wouldn't expect too much from a small budget. Jen? Yeah. um, Moritz, I hope this isn't a surprising answer. Uh, Generally, paid ads right off the bat aren't really the fizzle way, but but we have a really great answer from the forums from another fizzler named Renault, and he says something that I think that this team would be more aligned with in that he sees the ebook as a ton of potential high value free content that you can separate and publish to build awareness um, and then work on guest blogging and being and contributing uh, and then turn that uh take a lead market lead magnet and coach people through the process that's actually in this book. So at a higher price point. So taking this, this, cause it is finished. He has a landing page up. The ebook's completely done. It's actually really polished and, and good looking. He just doesn't have anyone looking at it. Yeah. So it would be busting it apart and, and using that to build an audience to sell to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I understand. Oh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, you can finish that point. Oh, I I was going to segue actually, because, um, go ahead. The only thing I was going to say was the one thing we haven't really talked about here yet either is another issue that we see with a lot of people getting started is it looks like Moritz is focused on selling from, from what I can see. The only thing he's selling is a $37 ebook in terms of scaling a business. If you don't have an audience yet, even if you have a huge audience, that can be very, very difficult to create a sustainable income when your product is, you know, $37 and it's non-recurring. So th- another thing to keep in mind also is if this is something you're interested in in growing and building the business, this might be a particularly difficult path to get started with, even if you're, you know, moving away from the, the paid traffic and you're trying to build an audience organically, uh, that can be pretty difficult because it's, it's non-recurring even. You know, so mm-hmm. think about how many people does it take? And you do the same math, whether you're doing pay-per-click or if you're just looking at how many people I have to add to my email list to sell one of these books. Either way, you're going to say, what does it cost for me to get X number of people to make one sale of this? And then month after month, since there's not going to be any repurchasing on that, how many more people do I have to continue to add? So I know that's a little bit off topic, but just another consideration when it comes to building any business model is, you know, what's the sustainability in this type of monetization? Yeah. And I will say this isn't our forte, um, running paid ads for small products. There are examples out there of people who have been wildly successful. I think all of us saw at some point those ads that said one strange trick to lose your belly fat or whatever, yeah. like that was yeah. a multi-million dollar product that was run mostly on ads that ran but on not Facebook, small budgets, though. but not small budgets. Exactly. Ooh. And 
and also a lot of refinement to get that thing to work. Um, so it is possible, but you have to have a lot of patience. It's just, I think we want to impress upon people that it's not necessarily a quicker road to just be able to pay for an audience than it is to build one organically. And if you can't do it organically, you're probably going to have trouble doing it paid anyway. They kind of go hand in hand because you still have to understand what makes people tick, what they're going to react to, and so on. Um, I appreciate the question from Moritz. And also, I wanted to wrap up today with a little success story, just a small one. We have uh, all kinds of Fizzle members out there, some making huge strides, some having uh, multi-thousand dollar launches, and others who uh, just make a little bit of progress in a week, and it feels really good. And, and that's what success ends up being, is just a collection of a bunch of small steps that lead to small progress. And this one from Katie is actually related to, I think, a little bit uh, what we were just hearing about from Moritz, because in Katie's case, she says that I received a call for submissions email for a trade association publication and wrote an article for it. This was a big step for me because I've really been nervous to put myself out there and I struggled to decide what to write for the article. I basically gave a high-level overview of the contents of my course, including part of my story, how I arrived at that point. It was selected and recently published. Because of that article, I've now had a couple of people reach out to me and thank me for sharing and ask for more help. So far, one has agreed to become a beta tester for my course. Congrats to Katie on the progress, and I just thought that was a good one to wrap up with because sometimes when we've produced an ebook or something and we're wondering how to get it out there, we have to realize that we've already put some really valuable content together and it's locked away inside of a paid format that other people can't get to necessarily easily. So if we take part of that, package it up and put it out there for free as a little teaser that can be useful to people, uh, you might feel good about getting some inquiries and you never know, it might lead to a beta tester for your course or to some purchases as well. So sometimes we just have to put ourselves out there and take those baby steps. Thanks to Aiden Fishbein and Joe Kearns and Jen Rayow today for the help on this special Friday episode of The Fizzle Show. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for the Fizzle members who were here live with us. And uh, we will see you guys again next Friday. <laughs>